Today on Let the Bible Speak. Dispelling some misconceptions about baptism. What baptism will and will not do. And good morning. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. It's a great pleasure to be with you. Thank you for taking a few moments to study the Word of God with me. The Bible has a lot to say about baptism, and Jesus made it a condition of salvation by grace through faith, according to Mark chapter 16, verse 16, in the instructions Jesus gave to His disciples before He went back to glory. We mention baptism quite a bit on this program because the Bible emphasizes it far more than most preachers today do and because of its significance in God's scheme of redemption. But for all we can say about baptism and the role it plays in the heart and life of the believer, there are misconceptions about what baptism can accomplish or what happens when we're baptized. Because of that, I want to spend some time today talking about what baptism will not do. The sixth chapter of Romans is one of the most exhaustive passages in the New Testament dealing with baptism illustrating the role that it plays in our salvation and our conversion. I invite your attention to that chapter and we'll read verses 3 through 5 as an introduction to our study. The Apostle Paul writes, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. Well, Paul here says that baptism unites us with Jesus Christ in His death, burial, and resurrection. The result is we can rise from the waters of baptism to walk in newness of life. So obviously some transaction has taken place when in faith we submit to that divine command. We'll briefly discuss that concept today, but I want to spend the majority of our time talking about misconceptions about baptism or what baptism will not accomplish, what it will not do, after a song from the congregation.
One of the most plainly taught subjects in the New Testament is baptism, but yet it's one of the most misunderstood and overlooked. It seems that water baptism was a part of every gospel sermon the apostles preached recorded in the book of Acts. I say that because every person who came to believe what the apostles preached, those who accepted the gospel, were immediately baptized in response. We read that over and over again throughout the record of Acts. When Jesus commissioned the twelve apostles to go to the entire world and to preach the gospel to every person, He not only told them what to preach, He told them what to do about those who believed what they preached. Mark, uh, Mark says in chapter 16, beginning in verse 15, that Jesus told them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel unto every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. So to deny that baptism has anything to do with a person being saved is to deny the plain words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yet many, of course, do so. But baptism is commanded of every person who believes Christ. When Peter told the people who heard him preach on the day of Pentecost what to do to be saved, he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. Acts 2 verse 38. Well, what could be any more easily and emphatically stated than that? How much plainer could Peter have been? Peter said that in order for every person to receive the remission or forgiveness of their sins, they must repent of their sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So you see, baptism is every bit as connected to salvation as repentance is. And if a man can be saved without being baptized according to the Lord's instruction, well, then he can also be saved without repenting or turning from his sins. The Bible lists several things that baptism accomplishes in the heart and life of the penitent believer. Galatians chapter 3 verses 26 and 27 teach us that baptism puts one into Christ or into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul said, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. The apostle Peter wrote in 1 Peter 3 verse 21, that baptism is the step necessary to obtaining a good conscience. In speaking there of the great flood and how it cleansed the earth and separated Noah from the sin of the antediluvian age, he says that baptism is the antitype or the likeness of that in the New Testament. And he wrote, Whereunto the like figure baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In other words, what he's saying is baptism is not about washing the outside of the body. It's not a ritualistic cleansing as uh, the priests, for example, would wash their bodies back under the Old Testament. But rather its significance is found in what it does to the inside of a man. Baptism is the answer to a man's desire for a clean conscience before God. The resurrection of Christ means that the penitent believer can be raised to a new life having been cleansed of his former sins in baptism. Of course, through what Jesus did upon the cross. Now friend, if all that's not enough to prove that baptism is an essential step in salvation, I simply don't know what Christ and His apostles could have said to convey the point. Surely that's enough to cause any sinner desiring a forgiven a new life in Christ to want to be immediately baptized into Christ. So there's much that could be said for baptism and its place in our salvation. But for all of that and more which could be positively stated about baptism, I want to say that there are several things that baptism cannot and will not accomplish. Now let's look at a few of those things in the remainder of our time here together. First of all, I want to stress that baptism cannot save a person who does not believe 
and who will not repent. I want to stress that fact today that baptism is not some magical act that mysteriously removes sins. Now some ask, uh, some ask if we believe in the doctrine of baptismal regeneration. Well, I believe that baptism is necessary to salvation, but do I believe in the doctrine of baptismal regeneration? Well, no, not in the sense that term is usually defined and applied. But I do believe that regeneration takes place through faith and by the power of the Spirit at the time of baptism. And there's a difference in those two propositions. Now, baptism in and of itself and by itself is not the means of regeneration. One can be baptized a thousand times and not be regenerated. You see, baptism that is not predicated upon faith and repentance accomplishes nothing. But that doesn't mean that baptism is unnecessary and that it is not connected to regeneration. Titus chapter 3 and verse 5. Now follow, this, uh, follow what the scriptures say here in Titus 3 and verse 5. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Then remember what Ananias told Saul in Acts 22 verse 16. And remember that Saul already believes that Jesus is the risen Christ. And so Ananias tells him, And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So we're saved by His mercy when we receive the washing of regeneration, which is the result of faith in Christ. Then notice what Paul says in Colossians 2 and verse 12. He says, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, or the New King James says, faith in the working of God, who hath raised him from the dead. So you see, God performs the operation when one submits in faith to Christ's command of baptism. We receive the washing of regeneration when we submit to Christ's commandment of baptism. But that baptism must be the result of faith in the saving work of Jesus Christ. Friend, we're not earning anything in baptism or in any other form of obedience. We can never earn God's favor. But He has appointed baptism as the point in which His saving work is applied, and thus it can be said we are regenerated when by faith in Him we are washed in baptism. Now sometimes people try to turn the Lord's words against themselves. For example, in Mark 16, verse 16. Look at that verse again. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Plain enough. But then he goes on to say, He that believeth not shall be damned. Now some say that since Jesus didn't say, He that believeth not and is not baptized shall be damned or condemned, then that means that baptism is not necessary to salvation. Well, friends, that's not what Jesus is saying at all. He's showing the importance of faith, not the insignificance of baptism. Because faith must always come before baptism, otherwise baptism avails nothing. So when Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, he that believeth not shall be condemned, he's simply placing faith in the proper sequence and showing that baptism is the result of one believing. Now it should be a given that if a man doesn't believe, then he would have no desire to be baptized. And therefore, it was unnecessary to mention baptism in the negative reference. One man put it this way. He said it could be said of the unbeliever and baptism 
But he wouldn't if he could, he couldn't if he would, and it wouldn't do him any good if he did. So belief and baptism are inextricably tied together, and that's one reason why infant baptism is unscriptural and invalid. That's an innovation of man. It's not taught in the Bible. Babies don't have the capacity to believe anything, much less that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and so they're not candidates for baptism. And neither is any grown person who does not believe and is not willing to commit their life to Jesus Christ. Being dunked in water will not magically save anyone. But you see, coupled with faith, it will wash away a person's sins through the blood of Christ and place him into a new relationship with Jesus. But number two, baptism does not give a person a license to sin. In fact, quite the contrary. If a man thinks that being baptized will clean the slate and somehow let him go on living a sinful life and God will suddenly look at his sin differently, well, that man is woefully deceived. That woman is woefully deceived. In fact, baptism by its very design and nature demands change on the part of the person who is baptized. Remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 6? He said, we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, See, it's not only about the death of the old man. He says we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. It's about the bringing forth of a new man. Verse 6 goes on to say, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So in baptism, a man is determining that he will cease from sinning and come into a new relationship with the Lord where the former things of life are left behind. And that doesn't mean he'll be perfect, but it simply means that he now has a new relationship to the Lord and a new relationship to sin. He is going to shun sin, he's going to turn away from sin, and he's going to yield himself to Jesus Christ to effect the kind of change in his life that God expects and that God desires within us. That means leaving sin behind. Now the reason this was so significant for Paul to point out was because there were those who were misunderstanding Paul's preaching on the subject of grace, just like many misunderstand that today. The Roman letter is a textbook on salvation by grace through faith. And Paul proves that despite the sin of man, God yet manifested His grace unto fallen man, and the result is that some would argue that, well, if our sin caused the grace of God to be extended toward us, well, why not just continue in sin so more grace can abound? Well, that sounds absurd to us, doesn't it? But yet that's really the way some people think about the matter today. And some people obey the Lord in baptism, but somehow they don't see the need to make any changes in their life. But if a man's heart is not changed, and thus his life is not changed, going forward from baptism, then baptism didn't do anything for that person. Paul said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So change takes place. Baptism will not save a person who doesn't repent. And it certainly does not give him a license to go on in sin, because if he's repented, he won't do that. It calls upon him or her to give up their sin and live a new and sanctified life by the power of Christ. If a man has been a thief, 
then baptism needs to mark a change and he must stop stealing. If a man's a philanderer or a fornicator, he can be forgiven of every sin he has committed by God's grace, but he must resolve to leave that sin behind. If it was wrong before he was baptized, it's just as wrong after he's baptized. But then third, I want to say that baptism will not remove the consequences of sin. I'm afraid some people get that idea. They mess their lives up through sinful living, as we all have, and hope that baptism will turn back the hands of the clock and take away the evidence and the scars of the past. Well, we need to be careful that we don't confuse the guilt of sin with the consequence of sin and the punishment of sin. You know, the only consequence of sin that obedience to the gospel removes is condemnation, the eternal damnation of the soul. The blood of Jesus Christ can remove any and every single sin. And the wonderful thing about baptism is that we can rise out of that watery grave through faith, a new creation, and the guilt of every single sin we've ever committed gone forever. That could happen for you today if you have never been baptized into Jesus Christ. But that doesn't necessarily mean the earthly consequences of the sins we've already committed go away. The Bible teaches in Proverbs 13 and verse 15 that the way of the transgressor is hard. Sin bears bitter fruit. There's no way around the fact that there is a heavy price to pay for sin in this life, and sin ruins what it touches. In Galatians 6 and verse 7, Paul wrote, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Paul didn't say he can reap or he might reap. Uh, but rather, he doesn't say it's likely he will have to reap it. Paul says, that shall he also reap. And that means the seed of sin planted in the garden of life invariably reaps a harvest of bitter fruit, and baptism doesn't change that. Friend, the church isn't made up of perfect people who've never sinned. The church is made up of people who've come to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, and they brought their broken lives to him for Jesus to effect a change in them and to sanctify them, and to form them into the image of their Son. You know, I've known of several people who were baptized while in prison. That's a wonderful thing. We rejoice to hear of such reports. They want to turn their life around and have their sins forgiven. And God be praised for that. But baptism didn't release them from jail. A person may contract a disease or destroy his or her health because of sinful living. Many a forgiven Christian is living with the scars of such a former sinful life. Those scars take many forms, but they're there nonetheless, and baptism doesn't remove them. And if you're looking at baptism as a way to get you out of trouble with the law or to get rid of a physical consequence of a prior sinful life, then you misunderstood the purpose of baptism. It can mark a brand new, and it will mark a brand new beginning in your life. But there may be a price to pay for years to come because of the time you rejected God and His Word and lived in sin. David found God's full forgiveness after he confessed and repented of his adultery and conspiracy to commit murder. But we well know he lived with scars from those actions for many, many years to come. You see, the good thing is that being a child of God can help you face the future and whatever consequences sin may have brought into your life. Number four, baptism will not remove all of your problems. Some live under the illusion that becoming a Christian is some formula to a trouble-free life. Well, that certainly wasn't the case for the disciples of the first century. In fact, many a person has given up a comfortable life to become a disciple of Jesus. For many, baptism is the beginning of a life fraught with troubles, maybe troubles of a different sort, but troubles nonetheless. 
For example, Paul warned Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12 that all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. In other words, a godly life invites ridicule, opposition, sometimes even physical persecution into a person's life. Well, if that's true, I can certainly assure you that being a Christian doesn't remove all of your debts, pay your bills, make you well all the time, and in other words, remove the burdens of life. Those remain. The difference is you now have someone to help you bear those burdens. There's not a single person who can avoid all of life's problems. Job lived long before baptism was instituted, yet he loved the Lord and lived a righteous life, yet no man was ever beset by more problems than Job was. No man ever lived any closer to the Lord than Paul did. Yet a significant portion of his life after, after becoming a Christian was spent in a jail cell. He said in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 10 that he experienced infirmities, reproaches, persecutions. He did without things in life. He suffered distresses. And he did it all for Christ's sake. So don't be deceived into believing that baptism will take all of your problems away. What it will do is give you a relationship with the Lord in which he'll help you to bear the burdens of this life. Number five and finally, baptism will not relieve a man of further responsibility toward God. Uh, some people seem to see baptism as a one-stop shop in which they square up their account with the Lord, they settle the account, and then they sit down to wait for Him to come again. I have baptized people in the past for whom I had great hopes concerning what they might become in Christ Jesus, but they, I've ended up being disappointed as we have watched them sit idly by and eventually drift away from the truth and drift away from their faith. Baptism is only the beginning, you see, of a person's responsibilities to Christ in his church. Colossians 3 and verse 1 says, If we then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Ephesians 2 and verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Christianity is a life of working and serving faithfully and unceasingly, so much so that Jesus admonished us to count the cost before becoming his disciple. But I want to stress, when you're baptized, you're becoming Christ's disciple. We are to make disciples of all nations, not just baptized people. And being a disciple is not necessarily an easy road. It's certainly not something that just consists of being baptized and nothing more. Baptism marks the beginning of a wonderful new life in and for Jesus Christ, and our energies and talents are then to be given to Him from that day forward. Our all is to be given to Him. And baptism does not relieve anyone of further responsibility to the Lord. Friend, baptism is a new beginning. It's where we enter a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus, it marks the entry into the land beginning again and by God's grace, grace a fresh start to a ruined life. It won't undo the past, but it will allow you to leave the past behind and look forward to an abundant life here and eternal life in the world which is to come. Praise the Lord, He has adored Him.
Friend, there are different teachings in the religious world today concerning baptism, and I hope that your interest has been piqued to open the Word of God and to see what Jesus and His apostles actually taught about it. And if you've not been baptized for the remission of your sins, immersed into Jesus Christ so your sins can be washed away, we'd love to have the opportunity to open the Scriptures and show you what the Bible teaches about this important subject, and we'd be glad to assist you in obedience to the gospel if you're ready to take that step. If you'd like a free printed copy of our lesson today so you can go back and review it or share it with others, we'll be glad to send it to you at no charge whatsoever. Just ask for the lesson, What Baptism Will Not Do, and we'll get it on its way right away. Be sure to join me next week, if the Lord is willing, for another time of Bible study and encourage someone else to do the same. You can find us all week online, ltbstd.org, past videos and transcripts, and also follow us on social media, Facebook and YouTube, and we have a podcast you can subscribe to. Thank you for joining me today. I hope to see you back here next week again, if God is willing. Until then, I hope you have a wonderful week, and may God bless you. Let the Bible Speak is brought to you by The Church of Christ. For more information, including our past broadcast and sermon transcripts, visit ltbstv.org. Thanks for being with us today. Join us next time for Let the Bible Speak.